Hello. One, two, three, test. This is Jacobo Mantia once again. Um, just doing a little, I guess, podcast right now. Um, I'm here with one of my slash family members slash <laughs> brothers. You can call it friend. You can call it idol. Uh, Matthew Iskey, uh, really good man. Uh, he's kind of a mentor to me since he's always been like that older figure I've had to look up to. Um, the reason for that is um, the things he's done, just what he's gotten himself out of. So I guess what I wanted to start off here with, since I'm not really that great at podcasts, is just kind of like introducing him, getting him on the mic because his voice is really sweet to hear. <laughs> so uh, first off, uh, tell us about yourself, Matt. <laughs> Dude, you said, you, you said idol and mentor. You said idol and mentor. Thank you. That's huge. I, I, uh. I don't know where to start. I mean, I can start with the work that I'm, I can start with the work that I'm currently doing. I can start with, I can start with my story a little bit. I mean, how long, how long do you want this to be? However long. Okay. Just okay. keep going. We, we can keep rolling. Like we'll just yeah, keep yeah. rolling. For like I usually, like these, I usually do these super informal, you know what I mean? Like You don't have to. Yeah. Your podcast is all about, you see Joe Rogan. Like, yeah, exactly. I mean, exactly. we can talk about anything you want. Exactly. Um, I can start, I can start from the beginning. I mean, I grew up. I grew up in a, a household with a lot of alcohol. I grew up around a lot of addiction and seeing a lot of uh, what I didn't really want to be. You know what I mean? Seeing a lot of it, just having to grow up at a super young age and, and having to take care of things. Like I remember being six years old and like hoping that we had enough money and like wondering whether the front door was locked and just like having to be an adult at a super young age and like how painful that was for me but also how grateful I am for that growing up. And like looking back and one of the first significant experiences in my life was my mom went to the hospital when I was 16. It was, it was, I was like a sophomore in high school. It was winter break. And before then, like I was bullied in school. I was a kid that like, I was scared of the world, super shy kid. Um, didn't like athletics, tried to get out of everything, just tried to make excuses. Like I just wanted to drink Dr. Pepper and play video games. Like, that, that was my, yeah. that was my jam as a kid. And Overnight, man, she went to the hospital. She went to the hospital for they call exploratory surgery. So basically, what they do, ambulance came, took her to the ER. They basically just cut her open and said, "We don't know what's going on, but we're gonna try to figure out what's going on." Damn, ten percent chance to live. And it's just so weird how things happen. That I had had my permit for six months, my driver's permit, and from there, my license test was literally like a day or two before the winter break was gonna end. My mom was in the hospital. She was in ICU. And it was, it was one of those things. It was like, they would hand, I went, it was like, you better pass this license test or you're not going to be able to get to school. You have to, you have to go do this and you have to go become a, basically become adult overnight. I passed the license test. I was handed the keys to a car. I was, and it was just like an adult overnight, man. Figure out how you're going to get to school, figure out how you're going to go make money, figure out how you're going to put gas in your car. Make sure you take care of your schoolwork. Make sure you get downtown and visit your mom because she might die overnight all the dumb shit that i was doing at that point like i was doing i was doing pills i was doing i was doing drugs i was doing all this dumb stuff and it was like this major pivotal moment in my life of your mom's in the hospital what are you going to do with this you've seen all of this bad stuff you've seen all of this pain and all like and it, it, it leads me to my work that I'll, I'll talk about in a minute but what are you going to do and i quit everything like right then and there not going to be strung out on something. If they call me and be like, this is your chance to say bye to your mom. I'm not going to be on some, something stupid. And right then and there, I was like, I'm going to find a way to work. I'm going to find a way to make money. And I'm going to find a way to create something of myself. And it, it was it, along like running parallel with all those things. I grew up somehow being the kid that everybody came to, to talk to, you know, I remember from when I was, I was six years old, having friends that would come talk to me like in six-year-old language about like my dad's doing something weird and being a six-year-old having to absorb that information and not really knowing what to do, but just knowing that there was something really, really wrong with that situation. And I know, and I remember like 10 years old, female friends opening up to me and talking to me about things that they had been through 14 years old, 18 years old, and really being in that place of like seeing this pain and really knowing it, but not knowing how, how to help or how to, what do you do for somebody in that position? And it was amazing because all of that, the, the adversity and the hardship and, and, and it's funny because like, I just, I, me telling my story in detail like that. And that's, that's like a super short snapshot of what it actually was like. I hadn't done that. I just started about a month ago because I was speaking at a school yeah. and a student asked me 
if I could share my story because she felt that we had a similar background. She's like, if I if I hear maybe maybe you know it'll help me understand things. So I I dug into my story and I talked I talked about it for forty five minutes in front of like a class of like twelve kids, and uh, I I say that because I don't want people to feel like I'm glamorizing my story. I know a lot of people who have had it a lot worse than me. I know a lot of people who have had it a lot better than me. But I think that we all have the right to tell our story. We all have we we truly deserve to be able to accept and acknowledge the things that have happened to us or happened around us. And I think that's where healing comes from. So I don't I don't tell my story for me to be like, look, this is how bad that it's been for me. Yeah. Like I went through all of this and now I've turned into this guy. Like I don't want to glamorize it. I just think that it opens up perspective and it allows people to kind of see what the truth looks like as opposed yeah. to like look at all of these things. So anyway, uh, growing up with those things, growing up with people opening up to me and not knowing how, it kind of set me up to this place where in uh, 2015, when I was 23 years old, I uh, well, I should mention, I never I never did well in school. I got a 0.6 GPA. My yeah, that's actually year. what I want to talk about because it fascinates <laughs> me about you. Sure, is that yeah, yeah. Like, Go ahead. You like kind of like find a way to, like what you said, relate with yeah. everyone. You know, yeah. you can relate with the... Yeah. with the generation above you with the generation below you right. and like it's kind of just interesting because you kind of like see an insight on all these and you mentioned things that a lot of people go like whoa actually yeah that's <laughs> yeah, correct you to know talk about that yeah and it's like yeah it's like that's why it's cool and like the other thing that's cool about you is that you're an entrepreneur yeah and like after all this stuff about elon musk saying you don't have to go to college you didn't go to college and all that no i dropped and out <laughs> you're so knowledgeable the way you speak the way you thank you do I, stuff so i just wanted to ask like how you did it like because a lot of people think oh you don't go to college you can't speak well you can't do this well some even people think that you don't go to college you can't even read so it's like i've i've never fit into the mainstream i've like never in my whole life like when i was when i was six years old to 10 years old i was bullied i had a small friend group that that i still have ties with that i'm super lucky like you're one of them yeah that i still have ties with that i'm lucky that i have but i just never fit in man like trying to go to school my freshman year, I mean, I got into all sorts of weird stuff and I just hated doing the work. Like I hated looking at it and being like, I could do this so much better, but they want me to do this worksheet. And I didn't have it in me to just do it because somebody else was telling me to do it. So I was like, I don't need to do this worksheet. Just give me the test. Just give me the information. Just give me the information. I only graduated high school. I was way behind in credits. I got a 0.6 GPA my freshman year. I only graduated because I went to a, a credit recovery program. It was like homeschool program where they gave me the packet of work and they're like, look, you're super far behind. You can take as many classes as you want. Just let us know what you think you can do. And I got a feel for it. And they'd hand you a packet of work and I'd be like, I can hack this. I can use all my different resources and I can figure out a way to make this information go into my brain easier because I was starting to understand the way that my brain worked. I could I could get done with more things faster because I wasn't having to go at the pace of all the other classmates. and it was just one of those things that really opened my eyes to like, I can, I can do things outside of the box. It's truly possible to live outside of the box. And I feel like we teach kids and and, and I don't think that my disposition is for everybody. Like this is my story and not everybody's like me. And, and then even every, you wouldn't want to be like mm-hmm. me. You should own your own shit, but you truly can do things outside the box. We teach kids that there's always a curriculum and there's always guidelines and there's a procedure and everybody knows what they're doing and you got to jump through these hoops. There's so many things in my life that have come to me just from asking somebody or just from being in the right place at the right time or just putting in the work. I mean, you ask like, how do I, how did I do it? That's crazy. Yeah, because you're like very knowledgeable. You know your stuff. You like, you know, it's like that type of like, like kind of like, discipline and all that i do the work it's supposed I, to be taught through college and through yeah. school and all that that's like literally what it is that sometimes they teach you discipline that's why people go to school that's why they force you to go to school yeah, yeah, yeah. and you have this kind of like yeah going to school but like not really that much school backing you up right. so it's like you're really self-taught right it's when i feel like a lot of people think they need school for that discipline and for all that and i feel like now that we're going into this generation or like Joe Rogan's talking about it, Elon Musk talking about it. Many yeah. people are talking about it, about college not being yeah. that big of a deal. Like you can do things besides college or – because back then it's like, oh, you go to college or you go to the military. Yeah, It's one of the two. Yeah, Or you become a dropout and work at McDonald's or become dumpster and do something. It's true. And it was this like – and that was that was the environment I grew up in was 2008. I was a high school – or I was a sophomore in high school. And sophomore in high school was right around the time when they're like, college planning, where are you going to go? What's your major going to be? And I had no idea, man. I've had I've – had, 
like for all of the like success that people think that I've had, I've had 20 things fail for each thing that succeeded. Truly. Yeah. I just, I just didn't care. And I think that a lot of it was me being told that I was going to be a failure my entire life, like not doing well in school. I was a black sheep in the family, like looking at this thing and going like, what, how's Matthew doing? Well, my attendance record's horrible. So my parents were always trying to like make like save face for my poor attendance of like telling my mom, telling her sisters of, well, he's not, he's not doing so great, but you know, he's, he's a great kid and all that. But I was just constantly just shit on for the, for lack of a better word of when is he going to get real? When's he going to grow up? I barely graduated high school and I got a little bit of, I got a little bit of love for that. But as soon as I graduated high school, then I went to community college. I did one semester where I actually got good grades, but then I jumped into boxing coaching and then I jumped into racing motocross. And just like, it was the first time in my life where I had a job, I had a good amount of cash and I was able to try a bunch of different stuff. But I think that being on the outside my entire life, like I was a chubby kid, didn't get along. I was not popular didn't do well, super well with girls. Um, I had a rat tail until I was in high school. I the, the, yeah. just, I, kids would pull my hair until it like came out of my head, like literally like pull my mm -hmm. hair and bully the shit out of me. But I, that whole path of like learning how to believe in you. And like, there's, there's truly something that I think each of us have in us that there's something out there that we can see that we want to be, that we want to create something that we want to do with our life but it's, we're so dependent on other people to tell us that we can. And I think I got so much negativity for so long that I just became numb to it where it was like, somebody's going to tell me to get my life together. When am I going to grow up? I'm like, yeah, you and everybody else, you yeah. know, but, I, but there's something out there that I truly believe in that I, that I know is out there and I know nobody else can see it, but, but I can see it and I'm going to go find it. And that kind of led me through this life. And I, I think I, I do the work and I have the discipline because I know I'm at a disadvantage. To me, it's it, and this this is no shots at like people who go to college because college is hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for me, I know that because I didn't go to college and I don't have that piece of paper, that I need to do more. That I yeah. need to know more than them because yeah. of my reputation and my the things that I do, the 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 way that I make people feel, the way that I communicate, that is going to be the thing that determines my value. I'm not going to be able to walk in the door and be like, oh, I graduated from this and I have this degree. Exactly. I'm not going to be able to do that. So my reputation has to be the thing. I have to be able to create that effect. And the only way that I can do that is by being better, I think. Yeah. It's by being able to communicate better, by being able to get my ideas across better, by being able to create things that are more effective because I am actually starting at a disadvantage from a surface level point. The one thing that I did, I, it's so funny because I've just been thinking about this. Six years ago when I was 20, I'm 26 now. I create, I, I made this habit and I made this commitment to myself that no matter when I went to sleep or when I, when I woke up, how much sleep I was going to get, I set my alarm clock one hour before I had to wake up. And I would spend that hour sitting in the darkness, usually by myself, reading things that I was interested about, interested in. And I've done that over the last six years. And a lot of, a lot of this guy, like a lot of who I've turned into came from one hour a day. Yeah, 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 I've heard about that. I started reading as well because yeah, of that. Because yeah. all my friends, you and everybody, started reading, and I was like, I need to do this. But it, it started. This is crazy because, like, I know a lot of people my age and all the people like in my generation that, like, I mean, depression rates are rising up. Dude. This is going up. All all this stuff is going up. Anxiety is going up, partly because of a lot of things. But I mean, I feel like one of them can be college and like the stigma behind it and how like it's like in increased in price yeah no quality has increased which yeah. i've heard by plenty of studies yeah um social media has only gotten worse and in college it's gotten even worse with that yeah what, what people don't understand I, I think because we're looking at we're trying to advocate for free college education we're trying to do all that the college brand and the product because it's i mean if you distill it down to economics that's what it is is that it's a brand that provides you a product that you pay for that you have to go get yourself accredited for but at the end of it you get a product that's supposed to increase your value as a person and it follows the same laws that any other product does of supply and demand. Yeah. If you, I mean, look at high school diplomas. Before, a high school diploma was valuable. Now it's not. Why? Because everybody has a high school diploma. If everybody goes to college and they all sink themselves in the debt and they all, all of a sudden have the same piece of paper, your value does not go up as much because you have the same accreditation everybody that everybody else does. Everybody else has a college degree. So where do we go from there? Do we go to everybody has to have a master's now to be valuable? I think we need to go to this place of your personal reputation. What you can do, what you can do exactly. is the thing that should determine what you're worth. What have you done? What have you worked on? 
if you failed or you didn't or it went well, whatever, yeah. what have you actually as a person had the drive to create, to take the risk, to say, I think that I can create X company. The first thing I did, like Taurus Athletics, was was me as a boxing coach trying to build a brand. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what I was doing, building a brand, building a business, trying to talk to people. I was a sh- I was still shy as hell. I had no idea how to ask for money, how to set things up, but I needed that to get to where I am. And I think that those things, like we should own our failures and we should look at people based on the things that they've actually created rather than the classes that they've took. I, I think that college, the college brand, I think that the next big economic collapse is going to be the collapse of the college brand. I believe so too. And it's been set around everywhere, mm-hmm. but you're like a perfect example. Cause I know people who have gone colleges like six years and they get out of college and they're like three years in and they're like, they don't even show the amount of like, yeah. it's like they do all this work and then they get to this point where like they have nothing to do now. And now they're just lazy. Like, okay, I want to rest now. Right. And they just feel like the end of college is kind of like their retirement. Right. And with you, it's like you're completely grinding and you're doing all these things that like not even college kids do and like not even like all these people do. And like all these people are doing this and they just feel lonely. They just feel sad. And you're doing this and you're like happy. You love it. You love doing it. Dude, I've just just found that. And you found the passion. And like I feel like that's why I don't agree with college for all all people. No. Because a lot of people don't find it fun to go into a class. Dude, it's like I'm so suff- learn. It literally feels like suffocation. Yeah, if I exactly. Go, if I have to go sit in a classroom. I love classrooms and I love learning and debating, but it's just having to be on the track of everybody else. Of exactly. Like, that to me it just doesn't fit me. I, I wanna I wanna be at the I wanna be at the front of the pack. I wanna mm-hmm. be doing the things that are weird and scary and the things that, that actually intimidate me because that's where I feel alive. Yeah. And it's like when everybody says like it's so much because I've been so much more vocal on social media. I've been posting a lot more. I've been posting like timestamps of my day, like yeah. my story of waking up at like, sometimes four AM and going to sleep at twelve and doing it again. But it, it doesn't feel like work. Like Yesterday was crazy. Yesterday, I spent all day working. I went from Del Mar to Point Loma, scouted a venue. Friday night, everybody's going out and doing their thing. I'm in mm-hmm. a venue recording with you and, and setting up an event. Like that stuff is fun to me. Like, yeah. it doesn't, it, when you love it, it doesn't feel like work. Yeah. I know everybody says that, that cliche. Exactly. It's the truth though. You're just doing what you love. Yeah, and that's what I feel like that's what we're lacking in today's society because we have all these careers that are like yeah. also getting disappearing because of ai disappearing because of this yeah. disappearing because of that and then to top it off college rates are going even more of a college is looking like even more of a scam nowadays yeah there was a the one of the instigations so i've, I've done a lot of different things like i've i wrote a book that made it in the top 10 best list that was cool i mean i think it was lucky because it's like you mm-hmm. know you need i didn't i've never written a book before i uh one of the one of the, not the first but a company that I started in 2015 that led me to the work that I'm doing currently made it to be top five in San Diego. That was really nice. Yeah. It was a marketing company that I built, but I, I think that we need to, Oh, what I was going to say is my, my foundation for all of this was there's a, there's a guy, big billionaire in Silicon Valley named Peter Thiel. Mm-hmm. He was the founder of eBay. He was the founder of PayPal. He was, he was in, in that group mm-hmm. and he was part of that whole thing. And he, uh, he has a thing called the Thiel foundation where he pays kids I think it's half a million. I think it's $500,000 to drop out of college and solve a problem that they think this world needs solved. He want, he's paying them to drop out of college and he's saying, look, here's all the money in the world. Half a million dollars is a start. This dude has billions. Yeah. Here's all the money in the world. This guy knows everybody. Here's all the connections in the world. What would you do if you could change anything or build something in this world? And that that's what really started me was I applied for that grant. I ended up making it into a, into a further round, but I was too old for the grant. Damn. Yeah, like but that's that's the thing is like that 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 ideology just blew my mind. Like, what would you change? What is something that you think you need to change or help people with in this world? You had, and then that that grant is essentially saying I can give you all the money and I give you all the connections. What would you do and why? And yeah. I think that's what that's what started me down this path. Of that's the, what the, does all this exactly. Yeah. That's what I mean. Is 2015 the marketing company started and that made a bunch of money, but that was that was just because. I was trying to help people create things and I was seeing a bunch of people who was really, who were really good at what they did lose because they didn't know how to play the game of marketing and social media. So I built this and I was like, Hey, I can help you build a website. I can help you with your social media. We can do the things for people that seem complex. So they have a chance. Yeah. I wanted to help people. That was at the basis. Yeah. Of then that got weird and fraudulent. I got a bunch of like, as that company got more popular, I got like some fake cashier's checks and I also just, 
it sounds weird, but I just didn't like the money. Like I was Yeah, you didn't like the money. I was twenty three years old. I bought myself a brand new Lexus. Yeah. A five hundred dollar belt. I guess the stuff that I still have. Uh-huh. And I just really didn't like any of it. And yeah, so right now you have around what, like four companies, three companies? No, no, I, I You have a couple of foundations. Yeah, I, I know have, yeah, yeah. I know what I know about you specifically is that you did some boxing, you did that, yeah. athletics, you were like kind of like a physical trainer at yeah, one point. Yeah, yeah. A really good one, actually. Yeah, I, was, I was a professional boxing coach. Yeah, right? you knew a lot of things and a lot of things that prevent injuries that and was, all that. That, and that, you, that was the book that made it to the top ten. Was I wrote a book on ACL, uh, exactly ACL injury yeah. prevention. You also used to do like website design. Yeah, that became was, one of the best website design people. Yeah, that was a marketing company I did in 2015. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then you kind of moved over to uh, One Way Out, kind of right. Yeah, so One Way Out was 2016. I took and this every... is kind of like the biggest focus right here. Yeah, this is this is my so life's what, work. What so is far. One Way Out specifically? So, so One Way Out was founded in 2016. I took everything that I was doing in 2015 with a marketing company and doubled down and said, I want to do something that's that's actually creating change and it's helping with all of this pain that I've seen my entire life. Yeah. Like, how is there something that we can do? Um, One Way Out started in 2016 and it was a basic program to prevent violence against women. It was basic education around like physical self-defense and it grew, man. It grew so fast. And I just want to know how it started. Like you just like, yeah, I, I, like, I mean, like you don't see a guy wake up in the morning and just go like, (laughs) yep, I want to help women who get raped in college or get raped here or get raped there. And like, I want to make sure they get self-defense. And I mean, it's a great question. I mean, I know today we got like all the, like, like the feminist going at it but like you don't see a man just jump out of here like that's what everybody says <laughs> like going like you know like you know and it's like yeah yeah it's it, like i just want to know where like the idea like kind of like sparked from you know like uh-huh. you just woke up in the morning you're like you know what i don't want to do marketing i want to help women out yeah i i had i've always i mean i was raised by my mother my mom was a stay-at-home mom until she went to the hospital i've been around women friends who have been in a ton of pain and i slowly started to learn as I grew up through my teenage years and then in my early 20s, like what trauma was and how bad it was and how it affects people. And this the stimulus for it, it, it was just a culmination. It's like when those things rise and all of a sudden something yeah, like a boiling point. I was I was interacting with a close friend of mine and I had heard another story. And it was just like to see how it affects somebody mentally, to see what something like sexual assault or rape does to somebody and how it affects them for their entire life. Yeah. When you when you've lived that and you've seen that at a very very close uh, from a very very close angle, it 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 it's hard to stomach. And if there was and I, and I was starting to believe in myself because I built these things. I was starting a professional boxing coach. I was like maybe I can do something. So one day um, we actually founded in August of 2016. But I think I actually started it in April of 2016. Like mm-hmm. started talking to people. Uh, the the way that I started it. And I knew that I had to do it was I woke up like my mind woke me up every single day at 3 a.m. for two weeks, woke up and I had and I walked straight down to my desk, sat down with a spiral and wrote down like, what is this? What would I need to do to make this happen? And like, that was the simplest thing ever. And the foundation that I own now started from writing on a piece of paper. What do you need? Like all the way down to like, okay, I would need. I would need a, a female co-founder. I would need a woman to talk to because I because I know I need more perspective. I don't have enough knowledge on this. Okay, what do you need? I would need to be more confident. What what do you need to do to yeah. be more confident about this? I need to be more knowledgeable about it. I need to I need to address why I'm scared about it. Like literally writing a list of like, okay, yeah. what else do you need? And then doing those things so that you can just go down the list and cross off like, do I feel more confident? Yeah. Do I do I have a location? Yeah. And, and just literally thinking, what do I need to make this happen? And I pitched it, I pitched the idea to at least 80 people that I knew. I went, I took people out for dinner. I took people out, you know, get a sandwich or coffee, whatever. And I was like, Hey, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm thinking about doing. I, I think that we should, we need a real education for this. This is an issue there. There's real pain in this world. And I think that these people need support. And I think we could really do something. Sat down with like 80 people and had that conversation yeah. and it was a resounding yes. So I was like, okay, fuck it. Let's do it. Yeah. And I, I pitched it to my the co-founder that I had at the time. She helped me. We spent hundreds of hours having conversations about okay what is what is actually happening with violence against women mm-hmm. that how do you prepare somebody for what's for the fact that 85 to 90 percent of the time it's going to be somebody they know it's not going to be the person on the way to the front door or on the way to your car that that's an edge case that we glamorize in media usually it's somebody in the family and that's the stuff that's dark and hard to talk about it's yeah. somebody in the family it's somebody you knew it was you were you had gone on a couple of dates with you were friends with yeah and it, there's a lot of manipulation there. There's a lot of coercion. There's a lot of darkness. And in that, we said, we have to teach physical self-defense. But there's so much more to it because 
I went to every single college in Southern California and said, walked in, talked to somebody and said, hey, this is who I am and this is what we're doing. We're providing a service that's, that's self-defense. We're trying to prevent violence against women. And they like, like looked at me and like laughed at me. And they're like, yeah, but the, the, we, the police department already does that. And, you know, wait, wait, what do you mean? Like, good luck with what you're doing. Like, I got this resounding no from yeah. colleges. And I was like, okay, well, it, it made me angry because I was like, clearly it's not fucking working. Yeah. Like, the, the It's 25% for girls in, in college that, that went. So that, that's the thing is that the l- latest study that, that I was looking at was 26.7% of girls admit to have, having, having had some experience with sexual violence during their four year college career, just in college, 26.7%, one in four. But what they don't tell you is only 17% of girls will fill out the survey. So what does that number look like when you have a hundred percent of girls filling out the survey? Yeah, it looks. Yeah, it's yeah. not. It's not. It's, it's not. And like, that's why yeah. we don't want to talk about it because it's, it's not scary. Accurate, it's not, yeah. But these things live in the darkness. They live when you don't can't talk mm-hmm. about them. When the person feels like it's their fault. When the person feels like they're guilty for what this usually man did to them. Yeah. So I went to all these colleges. I talked to them, and they all laughed me out of the room. And I said, clearly it's not working. Clearly we need to do something else. So we built this thing called MEP, and it's the pro- it's it's the foundational concept for the program that we hold is that it's, it has to be mental, emotional, and physical. So yes, you should have the physical skill set of knowing. If somebody grabs your wrist, how you can get away. If somebody grabs you by the hair, how you can get away. You should, you should have that physical skill set. But you should also mentally and emotionally have some sort of anchor to know what you will and won't tolerate. What, what do you want love to be to you? What, do you? what do you want a successful relationship to look like? What do you want happiness to be? Because... We've seen it so many times. If we don't decide those things for ourselves, somebody else can come and define those things for us. So MEP and creating an emotional anchor around answering these questions and doing this thought work. And then on the back end, also like if somebody does grab your wrist, you will know what to do. You will know how to deal with that situation, but it'll most likely be somebody who's trying to make you believe that you're worth less than you think you are. And you have this anchor to be able to come back to, to go, I never, I never would have tolerated this. What the hell am I doing in this relationship? What am I doing with this guy who's talking down to me and making me feel like it's my fault or is trying to control me? Because that's what's, that's, what's, yeah. that's what's happening. And we're not preparing people for what's actually happening. We're preparing people for really the easy fix of like, let's teach women self-defense and check that off the list. Cool, we took care of that problem. Like it, it, That was, in a nutshell, yeah. the two-year genesis for what I currently do, which is called the Your Truth Foundation, which... One Way Out is a program in. So the Your Truth Foundation provides education to youth in San Diego, Mm -hmm. prevents violence against and trafficking of women and children. People, the trafficking thing we can get into because people have a really false perception of what human trafficking looks Mm -hmm. like and how big of a deal it is and how, how like in our face it is, but we can't see it. It prevents those things. It provides education. We use public speaking. We use people's stories to create empathy. We train staff at youth clubs and at schools Mm -hmm. about how to put on the programs that we formulated because it works so much better when you have somebody who actually has rapport with the kids with somebody somebody who actually has a relationship to talk about the dark things rather than mr matt random guy coming in and saying hey this is what we're gonna do yeah we train staff and we create support so that the staff can support the kids. Of course. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of like kind of in a nutshell, the last three years of my life. Like it's my life's work mm-hmm. at this point. How's it going now? It's been like what? Three years? Yeah. Two years, yeah. It'll, three be, years? it'll be three years in August. So yeah. It's looking good. I've, I've been looking at it. Yeah. I've been alongside <laughs> Matt for a while. Yeah. You know, it's been growing. I mean, we were at this event about like, it was like last summer. And yeah. June. There was a lot of people there and there was yeah. a lot of people signing up and Dude, just found, buying merchandise and I, doing all I, that. And I, it was I just found, amazing. I just found out a month ago that I was one of the best speakers they'd ever had. Yeah. She told, I had no idea. Cause I never, like, I never heard any feedback. Like the event went really well. I know that. Yeah. So we did, the event was in June. It was an event downtown San Diego. And it was about all girls, by the way. <laughs> exactly. One guy in the room. How intimidating. <laughs> and that's like the crazy part about you as well is that you, you started out fat yeah bad grades <laughs> couldn't even talk fat. in front of a camera <laughs> yeah. you know like it's yeah. like it's true and then look at you now i mean like you're in shape yeah you're you became a physical trainer when you were like yeah like you said like almost mildly obese at one point yeah no i, I was i mean I felt and like you said you, you did pills drugs i mean you name it i mean you yeah. cross off the list of like what <laughs> almost any person that's failing in life can like do anybody can do it and like it's like a big checklist of all these bad things and now Look at you, you're fit. Yeah. You have a company. Like <laughs> you got a long way. And like I just I mean Thank you. 
the yeah. reason I'm doing this podcast and like all this is because like, I feel like people need to hear this because those Thank people you. that are like maybe stuck under the pills or like can't seem to lose weight or they feel unconfident with themselves yeah, I, or they just feel like they're not happy with themselves. I mean, a perfect definition of just overcoming yeah, any, all this like I, there's, stuff is there's, you. There's you know? no fucking magic sauce. There's not like I'm not a special person. Yeah. There's nothing special. Like I was not gen- genetically designed to do any of this. I'm not the LeBron James. I'm not elon musk I, i'm pretty average dude yeah exactly that's like, what's crazy it's like i don't i wouldn't even say average i'd say that you were born with a bunch of disadvantages yeah and yeah. you managed to overcome them and that's yeah. like what makes it crazy i mean yeah but but i yeah, say success story is cool but like <laughs> a guy like lebron who would just wins it all and just goes all the way but then yeah it's way cooler when you see a guy thank you that gets kind of like shadow on his whole life thank you gets completely the, dealt with a bunch of wrong hands and yeah. just finds a way to like kind of just crawl out of it and it just shows people that like no matter what you're going through don't Thank give you. up i I'm, i mean that's what i've learned from you specifically there's a, there's a that's why i call you an inspiration that's Thank why you. i call you like everything you are because i i see my life and things go bad and i look at people like you and i'm like okay like dude you can do it you can do it like you can you know like like i, I think that's why when in the future when you are big which i believe you will be thank you you will be able to show both sides because you've been both ways yeah. and you've showed how to overcome adversity you showed how to overcome everything yeah even when your back's against the wall and you've yeah. just been like you know what i might not go anything going my way but i can start with one thing and cross it off the list and i'm sure you cross out so many and now you're just like yeah on this thing and i'm lucky when right? i saw you at that event because i was i just happened to be at that event with matt he was fantastic just spoke one of like literally like 50 women and it's like yeah. no biggie like yeah, yeah just went up there super nervous but once he got that mic like <laughs> yeah nothing yeah I, and it's like a guy who was like because nervous like considers himself an introvert at times yeah and now it's just like dude it's, it's crazy to see the transformation the growth you know and i just feel like a lot of people create these excuses for themselves saying oh i'm an introvert i'll never be this so i'm this i'll never be that if you if you and you just prove otherwise honestly thank on you. all those thank you i i have to thank like i wouldn't be here without the people in my life yeah. Like everybody thinks like I hate when I hate when rappers are like I made it by myself. Nobody helped me. I'm like, no, dude, somebody helped you. Yeah, people like you helped me. Yeah, the women in my life that have entertained so many hours of conversation mm. to let me talk and educate me and guide me and coach me. My family, my friends, like they have helped me be this person just as much as I've helped me be this person. Mm. Like I have to, I have to give it to the people in my life. Like. I'm really far from where I think I could be, yeah. but I'm also super happy with where I am now. And like, I, I don't know. I want people that people, whoever listens to this, because I'll probably publish this on my podcast yeah. too. Whoever is listening to this, like there are people like me who care about you. We like really, yeah. we like, I actually care. There are people like me who care. If you want to hit me up, I will show you that real support mm-hmm. and resource and guidance does exist not because I want money, but because people need to care about people the way that somebody cared about me at one point. Yeah. You know, I, but it really just comes from like, just from doing the work, man. Like you got to lean into, so I, I suffered from, I saw, I, I, I would like suffered from, it sounds so dramatic. Yeah. I think I had depression. Mm-hmm. I was a very shy, anxious, threatened kid, like going mm-hmm. out into the world, making a phone call was literally like death to me. Yeah. And one of the ways that I worked through it was by waking up in the morning and feeling, for whatever reason, the dark period of my day is the morning. When I wake up, some days, it's been better lately because I've done a lot of work, but I would wake up and just be like, the things you're, you're never going to be successful. The things you're doing are not going to make it. You're not worth it. You don't know See, enough. See, for me, it was you're more like young. nighttime. Yeah, that's what everybody says. It's always it's like a different time. Sleep. Yeah. A lot of people say it's before they go to sleep. For me, it's right when I wake up. I go to sleep fine, usually. When I wake up is usually when things get super yeah. negative. Yeah. What I did when I was in that fate, that state was sit down with a piece of paper and write about this fucking thing and figure out why those thoughts had any power over you. Why this thing in your head? Because we only are affected by the things that we believe in. If I, if I looked at you and I was like, you're a woman, it's not going to insult you yeah. because you know you're a guy. Yeah. If I, there's a lot of things that we can say to each other or we can say to ourselves that affect us. And they affect us because on some level we believe them and we can't accept them about ourselves. Exactly. Yeah. For me, for me to be able to heal that stuff, I had to sit down and write about why I cared about the things that my head was saying. What kind of power did they have over me? And sit there 
in that dark place and do it in a healthy way and know that I was going to look at it and I was going to accept the fact that I thought that I wasn't enough. Okay, big deal. You think that you're not enough. What can we do with that? Why do you think that you're not enough? Is that your thought? Because it's usually not your thought. It's usually something somebody else put in your head sometime in the past and you still believe that. You, you have the ability. You have the skill. You have the ability to learn and overcome it. You just have to accept it. So I, I, I ran from it for so many years. And I think you see so many people run from it for so long, whether it's the, I mean, sex or achievement or drugs or whatever they're going to do, rather than feeling those things and going, okay, this is who I am right now, but that's who I want to be. And these are the things I'm going to do to get there. Rather than doing that, we run from it. And every time we run from it, it just gets a little bit more deeply seated. Yeah. Sit with that shit. Sit, sit in it in a healthy way, in a place where you know you're safe. Maybe that's with somebody. Maybe that's in a certain location. Maybe Mm -hmm. you're watching Netflix. Maybe you're listening to music. Do it in a place where you're safe and process that shit because we all have little micro things from our childhood. Something happened. Something, parents, a kid, a friend, something happened and they're things that we've never processed Mm -hmm. and we need to take the time to process them. And I think that the reason why I say it is because you just gave me all of that love and all those compliments. That's part of the way that I got here. Yeah. Yeah. And I have a lot of work to do. I yeah, do. of course, of course. Yeah. But, but you've gone a long way as well, I, I, which we have to look. You, I have. You always got to look behind you and then in front of you and then just mm-hmm. be like, you know what? Exactly. You know what? I got here already. Why can't I get up there? You know? Exactly. And that's like kind of the way. And you also have like a lot of like little like things you do that like kind of yeah. help you out. Like I remember you used to teach me the little like fear thing on your arm. Oh. And you just cross it out. <laughs> I just come up Tell me what else about that because yeah. that's honestly like something I use and to this day I still use it. Dude, I don't know. And I mean, it got me my job for a long time, and I got money off of it. That's so crazy. I couldn't find a job <laughs> for months, and then interview. I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, uh, I don't know where I got I, that. Was completely internally generated. I don't know where I got that from. Tell tell them about it, because this is just yeah. Oh so God. I started. I, I don't do it as much anymore, but I started uh, probably two years ago, and I was address, I was doing the thing I was just talking about. I was addressing all of the weaknesses that I had, and I would either write fear or write weakness on my hand, because for me, my biggest way of, of avoiding things is by rationalization is by saying, okay, I'm scared to make this call. Why are you scared to make this call? Because I feel insecure or whatever. I would write that off as like, well, maybe it's not the right time to make the call. Like if I make reasons, it's okay mm-hmm. for me to not do something. If for me, if I, if I identify that as weakness. So for me, if I make an excuse, mm-hmm. that is weakness. And I don't like feeling yeah. like I'm being weak, mm-hmm. then I'll address it and go, no, no, that's weakness. You need to confront that. So I would write either weakness on my hand or I would write fear on my hand. Mm-hmm. To identify that that is a part of me, not not that I am weak, not that I am fearful, but that that is going to confront me at some point during the yeah. day. I'm going to confront weakness within myself. I'm going to confront fear. Mm-hmm. And when you, it's for me, it's like it's very confrontational. Like boxing coach, jujitsu, mm-hmm. like all of this like fighting mentality in me is if I can see the opponent, if I can see the enemy and identify what it's trying to do to mm-hmm. me, then I can have some power over it. So weakness on my hand, the word written. And then I would feel some type of nervousness, some type of something throughout the day. And I would go, oh, that's weakness. Yeah, it helped me a lot. And if I overcame it, then I was able to cross it out. I would literally cross out the word on my hand. And I would see that for the rest of the day. I would see the fact that it was written on me. And now because I did the thing that I didn't want to do, I was able to cross that out. And that like reinforcement for me of like seeing you won today. You beat something today. Even if it was like the smallest thing ever, uh-huh. seeing that I was winning in some capacity yeah. really helped create some momentum for me to get over the stupid little mental blocks. Do you ever have people point it out? Always. Always. Because <laughs> I did too, honestly. Yeah, people, people thought like, yeah. why do you have fear on you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why do you have fear on your arm? And I'm like, oh, I haven't conquered my fear today. And they would just be like, what? And I'd be like, people, it's just the thing I do, you know? Yeah, people thought it was really like, really like self-hating. They're like, dude, you're not weak. It's okay. <laughs> like, you're not, you're, you're not all weakness. I'm like, no, but you don't get it. Like, the way that I framed it in my mind helped me a lot. Yeah, it helped me a lot. Because I was like, that's the thing that I need to get over. Yeah. If I want to it's like, I used to do be. stuff the same thing on my phone, but it just wouldn't work. But on your hand, it's like, it's on your body. Yeah, exactly. Like, even if you rip all your clothes off, yeah, you still yeah. got it on you, that you know? Crossing it out, man. And then crossing it out and just having it there throughout the day, while you're, especially with your hands and like, because exactly. you're looking at you're your hands all the time. It's, it's like, oh, it's constantly reminding me. Yeah. It's constantly so you're like, oh, what do, what do I need to get? How do I, how do I get rid of this weekend? How do I get rid of this exactly. fear? And exactly. It just goes away. And it's exactly. like, and I don't like, know. I feel like that's just one of those tools that like, yeah, I, I can I, help I, a lot. I, honestly, I forgot that I did that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've, I've always written a lot of things. I've always 
like uh, even on my car right now. So when I'm struggling with motivation, it really helps me to picture the person that I'm doing it for. So like, I'm scared about something. I'm feeling lazy. I'm feeling, I'm feeling really self-defeated. You know what I mean? Like in my head, I'm in a bad place. It to pull myself out of there. The things that I need to do, it helps me picture the person that I'm trying to help. Yeah. An actual face. Not yeah. like I'm trying to help kids. Like, no, no, I'm trying to help this person I'm thinking about. It might be you. It might be somebody else. It might be somebody I know, somebody I don't know in my car right now with like windshield marker, you know, people like the stuff uh, that people yeah. write like prices on people's mm-hmm. cars. I have written on the inside of my windshield, like right next to the rear view mirror, big across the top. It says for those who can't. And that's like my remember reminder. Yeah. I'm doing this for people that feel like they don't have a voice. I'm doing this for people that feel like they can't help themselves. Yeah. Like they can't fight. So when I look, when I, if I'm feeling, I look and it's like every day when I get my cards written yeah. right there for those who can't, because that, that, that when I'm struggling with motivation, that's the place that I go is like, this is who you're doing it for. It's not, you're yeah. not doing it for the money. You're not doing it for yourself. You're doing it for those yeah and a lot i just i like that concept of like those little things you do because a lot of people go like oh to do all this to start succeeding i need to like get up i need to do this Uh, and it's like not necessarily you can do little things by just writing something on your hand or like i recommend literally just self-reflecting looking at yourself in the mirror like literally just doing one small thing that can maybe help you know i recommend little things and, and i recommend you giving yourself a chance to accept your little wins yeah another thing that i used to do I would journal in the morning and I would journal at night. My journal at night, would I would write down three things that I had won for the day, like three wins. Even if that was like, I went outside or I, like, I went to <laughs> yeah. the gym, like acknowledge because we need that. We don't get anywhere by saying, I didn't do enough today. I wasn't enough. I'm not, I'm not, I, I didn't, like all these expectations, all of these lofty goals that we don't meet and we fall short and then we blame ourselves and we actually send ourselves backwards. I recommend for people if they're trying to move towards something to start super, super small to start with, cause, cause your consistency in it is the thing that's going to get you there. Yeah. One day has zero impact over the span of three years. One day does nothing. If you win one day or you lose one day, it does not matter. Yeah. If you win four days out of your week, if you have four small wins in a day out of your week, that's a good week. Mm-hmm. If you, if you win three weeks out of the month, if so, if you do 16 days of the month, that's a winning month. Mm-hmm. If you do that most of the year, that's a winning year. Those wins build up and they change your mentality about who you think you are rather than losing. Look, I'm not perfect. I'm going to have a bad day tomorrow. Maybe Sunday, maybe I'll be lazy Monday. I might lose. I lose all of the time, mm-hmm. but as long as I'm winning most of the time, that compounding effect mentally, like internally and externally mm-hmm. realizing that it, we can get caught up in the day to day of like, I feel like shit today because I didn't do all these things that I was supposed to do. That's fine. Mm-hmm. As long as you win most of the time, as long as you accept the small wins and start really, really small, it adds this momentum to it. that You can carry on. Like it's not about the day to day. It's about the month, yeah. the year to year, but it's hard to see, especially the younger you are. Uh-huh. And, but that's just, that's just, uh, it just starts with a little, yeah, consistency and yeah, all that. And just honestly, just little things. And that's what, I realize you do a lot and like it's just like one thing that I've started to use and it works you know it's like you don't focus on the big picture you focus on the little things to build up on that writing absolutely which has been really important for me too I yes. never was a writer never was a reader yes started writing things down it just you generate your thoughts more thinking of it and just in your mind isn't enough sometimes you know yeah and I feel like that's what you've taught me that's yeah. it's really good and then your workout routine. Oh, because uh, it's yeah. really interesting. You don't go to the gym. You don't. You're a really fit dude, but you don't go to. The, you do jujitsu, obviously. Yes. But um, you don't go to the gym. You just get fit, and yeah, it's like yeah. well, because you make, weren't a little like gym rat your whole life. No, nah, I started. When I started. I've been working out for about twelve years. I started when I was like fourteen, fifteen. Um, yeah. I started right around the turn of, of high school, like middle school. I was. It, it was just like this defining moment where I was like, I cut off my rat tail. I shaved my head. I started like doing anything I could do because I think I was just honestly tired of who I was. Yeah. And I was tired of being treated that way. This like being bullied, talked down to, left out. I like my vision image of myself was horrible when I was 10, 11, 12, 13. I remember like people making comments. And mm-hmm. It's funny how like little comments as a kid can cut so deep. Like when you call a kid fat when he's 10, like that could really like do some damage. Mm-hmm. And it, it really hurt me. And I, I started when I was 14. Um, I've only had a big gym membership once in my life for like a year. Yeah. I've never really gone to big gyms. I got into boxing when I was 16 with a, with a close, close friend of mine. Uh, 
and I've always just used the world. I, I like being shirtless. I like being outdoors. I like run, yeah. running in the sand. I like running hills. I like doing push-ups, doing pull-ups. You don't need an air-conditioned gym and a bunch yeah. of gym equipment to get in really, really good shape. Yeah, and that's what a lot of people think. Yeah. A lot yeah. of people, and that's they, like, they I mean, it makes sense. Like, if you if the gym works for you, it does. But like, if if you've gone to the gym and all that, yeah, and you're like, oh, it's not for me. It doesn't mean exercise is not for you. And I feel like you that's proved that 100%. especially. Well, that, that the most important thing you just said was like, if that works for you, if it if, works for you, yeah. then go for that, it. That's I mean, that I've had it where gym works one. for me and all that. Exactly. I've always been like a pretty athletic person myself. Yes, but then I look at people like you. Who like you right. like didn't like the gym like didn't like to work out no. didn't like to do this and no, you made it fun and it, it's like and if I thought that was the only way especially when I was a kid yeah I was shy and intimidated to go work out in a room with a bunch of other big ass dudes when I didn't know what the weights were I didn't know how to do exactly it. there's no way in hell I've spent most of my life like if I wasn't good at something I didn't want to appear in front of anybody mm-hmm. until I was good at it I wanted to train and like behind the scenes so that nobody would judge me so that when i came out i was like at least competent yeah if i thought the gym was the only way to like do something physically i would have never started because i would be way too intimidated to even try so i started super small i was like a little community center gym near my parents house when i was Mm -hmm. 14 that i used i got a pair of running shoes i went i went to a lap pool where there was nobody there and i just did it on my own like Mm -hmm. find me like the best plan is never the best plan if you don't do it. Like yeah. you can have the best coach in the world who will give you all the tips and tricks and like mm-hmm. I know a lot of stuff. I can give you all these things, but if you don't feel comfortable doing it, it'll never work. Like yeah. the plan that you'll do and the plan that you're comfortable with is infinitely better than the quote best plan. Yeah, and that's like what's crazy because yeah. you've like adjusted. You know, you're like, yeah. oh, I don't want to do it this way. You've done yeah. it like your way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is what a lot of people don't do these days. Like, no. you think originality is a thing now, but it's really like not. Like, people still follow the norm. Orig- originality has become another trend. Yeah, it's to become be, a trend, but yeah. like a lot of people still follow the norms, and it's like, yeah, but they don't. Originality. I mean, you're just a perfect example of it. <laughs> of like, okay, I can't do it this way, so why right. not do it my way? Right. And like, I mean, look at you. You're more fit than most people that go to the gym. I'm, I've been to the gym yeah. recently and I go there and I've seen people that yeah. aren't even nearly as in yeah, shape yeah. as you are. Yeah. And like, you don't even focus on your body. You focus on how you feel. Yes. And I feel like that's way more important than like what people actually go to the gym for just to look good. Yeah. Because if you just focus on how you feel, you will look good eventually. Well, I think that's where like values come in. And that's why I talk about originality as a trend. Yeah. Because originality as a trend is you're kind of following how this other person is being original. You're yeah. not truly being original to yourself. You're like, I know me and I'm woke and like all this stuff that's going around. Yeah. But your originality is going to look different than somebody else's originality. Yeah. But somebody else has made a certain version of their originality mm-hmm. seem popular. So you're chasing that. And we see it on Instagram. We see it on Snapchat. We see it all over the place where it's like certain things. Everybody is kind of like even the way people post on Instagram has all kind of started mm-hmm. to look the same. Because everybody's trying to be original, but in being original, they're doing what everybody else is doing. Because they look, it's 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 like a it's a roundabout cycle. Um, it comes down to values of there are a lot of people who are out there killing themselves in the gym and thinking that they really need to look good. All the while, they may not even care that much about yeah. looking good. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you value? And like this is this is kind of another part of my philosophy is like figuring out who you want to be as a person and truly why, because we walk around as people. I mean, we will imitate everybody else until there's a certain point in our life where we go, wow, I had no idea who I was. Like I grew up most of my life imitating things that I thought were cool. And I didn't, this is the part that gets weird to explain is like, you don't understand it because you think you're doing what you need to be doing. But for the most part, we follow other people's influence. So like, if you're going to the gym, why are you going to the gym? Because for me, like making money, values make a big difference for me. If you told me now that I need to go and make a bunch of money so that I can buy a fancy car and look good, I would have zero motivation. If you told me I need to go raise a bunch of money so I can help people that are in pain, easy motivation. Yeah. But that just comes from my values and what you value. If you're going to the gym and you feel like you need to have a fat ass and you're a girl, maybe you don't want to be treated like all the other girls who have fat asses yeah. and you know that and that's why you're struggling with your motivation. Maybe you care more about being healthy for your kids. For me, it was always functional. For me, it was, I was bullied and I, I was, I mean, I had a lot of like violence in me and I wanted to feel like I was safe and secure. So I didn't care about how I looked. I cared about what I was able to do with my body. And naturally that led me to have the motivation to work out 
because I was worried about being in shape for me being able to protect myself and protecting others. I could care less about having a six pack. I went to get in shape so that I could protect myself because that was what my value was. Like, what do you value? Why do you want to work out? Yeah. Because that's a really important question. Your motivation behind it is super powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like what you've done specifically. And you do the yeah. mask thing too. I love like, the mask. <laughs> he looks like Bane running around yeah, yeah. with a little mask. Yeah. Like, it, it, it's, I got it's like that, an oxygen mask, right? I got that way back in the day. My dad and I were going to go on a hike and the hike was like, it was Mount Whitney. So it's like 14,000 feet. Yeah. Um, really high elevation in California. And I was going to be prepared, man. I was going to, I was going to train. I was going to be prepared. So this mask is like, it's like a black thing and it has like these valves on the front. It's a, so you just searched it up. You're like, oh, I need altitude, something. altitude training mask, elevation <laughs> mask. Oh, I was training fighters yeah. at the time. So I knew what it was, but, um, it was, it was, it was something that it simulates elevation. So you can set it in different settings, like 6,000 feet or 10,000 feet, yeah. 14,000 feet and 8,000. 18, That's crazy. 000 feet. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it just restricts your airflow. And I've, I've always liked being prepared. So in my thing is my like athletic coaching side of me, mm-hmm. which is a lot more, a lot more like cut and dry about mm-hmm. things is like, I train fighters. I train myself as a fighter. When you get in the ring or you go to fight somebody, there is nobody else who's going to listen to your excuses. There's nobody else who's going to be like, Oh, it's okay today. Like nobody's going to motivate you. Nobody's yeah. going to be like, come on one more. Like you got to be able to create that yourself. So I always enjoyed the things that made things harder because when somebody would be like, oh, it's too hot today. That mask is too hard. I'm like, okay, cool. It'll be easier when you're not, when, <laughs> yeah. when you're not wearing the mask. It'll be easier when it's cooler. Like you need, I, for me, stepping into those things and like feeling that pain was a, was a big, it was, it's a lot of like, it helps you earn a lot of your own self-respect and a lot of your confidence. Like when you know you've done hard things, it helps you, it helps you respect yourself. Yeah. It helps you be more confident yeah. because you know, like I've been through worse than this. It's a big deal. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I, I look at a lot of my life through kind of this fighting lens because I've been in boxing for 12 years. Yeah. I've been in jiu-jitsu yeah. for three. Of course. Yeah. You go yeah. through like certain things. Like I look at my life through water polo. Yeah. Like, kind of like the water polo exactly. perspective. Yeah. Exactly. You got to look at the things that you look your life through, you know? Exactly. Let me grab a drink real quick. But yeah, I mean, we talked about the past a lot, what you do, but now you're what, like a teacher? You're like, yeah, I'm a, hold on. So he, he no degree, no nothing. Made it be a teacher, like full time, basically, right? Yeah, I'm not necessarily a teacher. I'm a. I work as an aide on campus, and I do lots of different things. Yeah, I work at a Braxis High School. Um, they were amazing. That that's the story to that. Yeah, that's that's a crazy story. <laughs> the story that I, I told you that I said no to it twice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, this job, my company provided education there for two quarters, um, and they ended up having a full time position, full time benefited position mm-hmm. drop and they were looking for somebody they looked at me and they said, Hey, if you'd like this position, we, we'd love to have you. And at the time, 2018 was, was one of the most painful years of my life. Like relationship failure, mom's health, stress, business stuff. I'm trying to do one of the hardest things I've ever done in my yeah. life. And all at the, at the same time, like all of these things were happening to me. So having a little bit of stability in my life was really good. Entrepreneurship is great. I love it so much, but when you don't believe in yourself, it's really hard to make it happen. You have to go out and like, nobody cares that day if you wake up and you don't call anybody. Like you need to make calls. You have to initiate things. You have to believe in yourself and make things happen. And when you're in a lot of pain and when there's a lot of sadness, yeah. it's really hard to do. So long story short, they propose me this position. And I say, hey, if you'd like it, it's basically yours. You just have to go through all these qualifications in the school district, mm-hmm. background check, all that to make sure that you're good to go. I said, sweet. I didn't know if I was going to take it. Cause I was, I was in a place where I was like, I'm growing so much. I'm building so much, but at the same time, there's so much pain. And like, this is really hard to do that. I said no to it the first time. Yeah. Um, I, I wasn't able, wasn't able to, I just didn't think it was a good, good suit for me. And I said no to it twice. Actually, I went to the job fair the second time I, I, uh, I said, you know, maybe, maybe this is a good idea. So I, they, they hire people through job fairs. I went to the district office in Poway and I was, I was all ready to go. I was dressed. They were going to have a table there. It was basically like, if I showed up, they would have hired me on the spot. I walked up to the lady who was kind of organizing the whole thing. And I said, I don't know how this works. I've never had a school job before, but I'm applying for a specific job at a Braxis high school. And she looks at her clipboard and she goes, what? Abraxas isn't, they're not here today. I'm sorry. I'm like, oh, I guess it wasn't meant to be. You know, I, I just want to make sure they don't think that I'm leaving them hanging if I could leave my name and my number mm-hmm. with you just to make sure that everything's all good. And she goes, yeah, yeah, sure. And I go back to the actual school the next day to volunteer because it was my volunteer day. And the principal looks at me and he goes, where were you yesterday? I'm like, what, what do you mean? I was at the job fair. Where were you? He goes, we were there too. What, what are you talking about? 
And I was like, I, I went to the lady and I told him the story. She said, you weren't there. And he goes, Oh man, that that's crazy. I don't, I don't know what to say. I'm so sorry. We already, we already yeah. hired somebody. That's, that's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess it's just not meant to be. And then, uh, that person ended up falling through for whatever reason. Yeah. There was some problem with personnel or with records or whatever. And he offered me the job again. And yeah. I said, no, you know, I, I would love to, <laughs> but I already made so much happen because I didn't think I had the job. Yeah. So I said no again. And then three weeks later, I, I texted him at like 6.30 a.m. I was like, hey, if you have that position, I would really, really love to help you guys out. I'd appreciate it. He texted me back that day, says, come in tomorrow for the interview. Went to the interview and I got hired the next day. And uh, yeah, that's a currently, great story. I'm, I'm an aide on campus there. I work with all of the teachers. I work with all of the staff. I run the support group for men on that campus and I'm the liaison officer of the campus so i i handle i, I help with and handle facilitate like i'm the second in command if the principal's not there when there's a disaster i help with the disaster plans i'm kind of like second in charge to the principal when it comes to yeah. disaster and safety on campus that's a great job honestly yeah, dude it's cool it's, I'm, I'm i'm super lucky to work there it's, yeah that, that school like shout out to abraxas that school honestly i think is one of the best educational establishments in this country like, yeah the stuff that they're doing and the, and the youth that they serve just i've never heard more painful stories than I've heard from some of the kids that I've interacted with, but the way that the staff and the youth, like they work together to like figure out like, okay, you've had all of this stuff happen to you. How can we get you healthy emotionally and mentally, and then academically get you through high school so you can eventually get on with your life. They're doing some of the hardest and most important work that I've ever seen in any educational yeah, establishment. Yeah, and that's good to see, especially in the job field you're in, yeah, you know? 100%. That's good, though. And what's next for you, then? What's what's the plan for One Way Out? You also do a handyman thing. Yeah, yeah. That's like a little, like, handyman thing. But, yeah. I mean, I feel like your main focus is yeah. basically yeah, I do a lot One of Way Out, right? Yeah. It's like that's what you mainly do. And, exactly. like, obviously you're aiding and all that. Yeah. I've, but what's next for One Way Out? I've always been a hustler. I've always, like – Ever since I was like 14 years old, I've always like detailed people's cars and make cash on the side. Yeah. Like right now I do a bunch of different stuff. I do have a little handyman business that we do like little paint, little drywall stuff for people, you know, provides jobs, like helps, helps yeah. people with money and all that. Um, I do a lot of different stuff. I, I represent an artist who's a, one of the best portrait artists I've ever seen. He's, he's amazing. I manage and, and sell his art. Uh, there's probably more stuff in there. Yeah. Yeah. But I, but my primary thing is that I'm, I'm the, my official title now is I'm the president of the board and the founder of this organization called the Your Truth Foundation. Yeah. Um, we're setting up an event. It's primarily event based and staff training based. So we train staff to do what I was talking about, to implement support yeah. groups for young men, talk to young men about what's going on in their lives, provide them support, provide them resources. Do the same thing for young women. Provide knowledge. Provide resources. Yeah, awareness. Guidance. So awareness. Absolutely. Uh -huh. We empower staff to be able to help, and we help too. We have a, a public speaking program that's amazing where we I bring in guys. I speak. I have guys that work with me who have incredible stories, been in prison, been you know involved in all yeah. sorts of different stuff that tell their story in order to ultimately support and say, this is who I am and this is what I've been through, but you don't have to go through the same. We're here to support you. Yeah. Um, Crazy stories, crazy yeah, stories, I'm yeah. sure. <laughs> I, one of the guys that I work with has, has been in every single prison. He's a most amazing guy. He's one of my brothers. He's been in every single prison in Southern California, Nevada. Like yeah. high-speed police chases, just in, in like all sorts of darkness and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. But now he's on a full-ride scholarship up in Temecula to get his uh, master's crazy. in theology so he can be a wow. counselor for faith-based faith wow. faith counselor for at-risk youth. Um that's just gotta feel you, huh? When Dude, you it's not. Like yeah, that. when you hear, oh, I hear things. Oh my god! If, well, especially when you hear when you hear young, like young kids, like young men and young women who have had, like, I can't even tell you the amount of like darkness that exists in this world, and they're still like the best people ever. And they still bring a smile. Exactly, to your they face still bring stuff. like they have their hard days, but they're still like they believe in you and they say hi to you and they and they want to like succeed and they go to help other people and they feed the homeless. And I'm just like. If you can do it, I can do it. Like those, yeah. those, those, those people are mine. Yeah, mine. you got an event coming up, right? Yeah, around March uh, March thirty first. Yeah, we're doing something down in Point Loma. It's open to parents and it's open to school staff, youth leaders. It's open to anybody really. Yeah, I mean, Pro it's just for awareness. Yeah. So the more the better, honestly. Exactly. Providing resources around technology, providing resources around social media, and how crazy this world is, and how it's affecting kids. Like the stats are nuts. 2010 was right around the time that Facebook and iPhones and all of that really became mainstream. And if you look at the data, there is a sharp rise, like 160% increase in non-fatal hospital admissions for girls that is crazy. 10 to 14. 
Wow. So these girls, non-fatal, but they're, they're it's, it's so, it doesn't kill them, but it's so bad that they have to be admitted to the hospital. Yeah, they have to be admitted, exactly. watched over. It, exactly. It's just, it's, that, that's up like 160% from 2010. I mean, it also has to play a part with depression and how it's affecting, especially my generation. Absolutely. I see it. And you look at I see, I look to the left, I see depression. I look to the right, I see depression. I look everywhere, I see it, you know, and it's just like. Yeah, I mean, I've I've certainly had my bouts. I mean, that. depression has risen since 2010. Yeah. Social media has been there since 2010. It's yeah. like it's hard not to like point exactly. fingers exactly. at social media. Exactly, human trafficking, um, trafficking. The kids are being exploited yeah. like crazy through social media and technology. There's a so California has three of the world in the world. Three of the 13 spots in the world are here in California: San Francisco, San Diego, and Los Angeles. And uh, they're being it's the thing when I say about San Diego is everybody's like oh well that makes sense you guys are right next to Mexico yeah. they're bringing people over ninety percent of it's domestic thing so it's our girls who are being recruited and the, and usually the way it works is that they prey on kids who look like they don't have a lot of home support yeah. they prey on kids who look like they're really poor and who look lost and like this charming handsome guy will come up be like hey what's up how you doing. And they'll be walking home from school and he'll make friends with her and he'll start to help her and he'll give her money and be like, oh, I'm sorry, you don't have food or money for shoes. And he'll hand her 500 bucks and go get shoes. Be like, oh, you need a car? And he'll spot her a car and she'll think that he's her new boyfriend. He's this new guy that's helping her out. Best dude ever. Yeah. And he'll go, oh, uh, you owe me all that money, right? You, you need to have sex with my friends so that you can pay me back. And if you don't, I'm going to tell your family about all the things that you've done and make that's up all this stuff. There was an incident in La Jolla where – this guy came into a house party in La Jolla, like in the bluffs, like nice houses. Yeah. He went to a house party with a phone and a camera and took video of all these kids doing drugs, kids having sex. It's a house party. Kids are doing whatever. He took video of all these kids and then after the party was over, said, if you don't want anybody to ever see this, you're going to be my human slave basically and you're going to have sex with my customers. And he, the running average for a trafficker to make off of one victim is half a million a year. It's an $880 million industry just in San Diego. It's the second biggest illegal industry just in San Diego. And a lot of it's being propelled by technology and social media and the fact that everything is changing so quickly. Parents are having a hard time. Either either they're not willing because they feel like they didn't grow up with the technology. They're not willing to learn about the technology or they just – it's hard to keep up with. Like I'm on top of it. And something new will happen yeah. every single day. I feel like just having the word spread is just important exactly. overall. It's it, not really like – Exactly. It's not, there's not anything like crazy actions we can do, but just awareness, just knowing that it's there. Exactly. Just walking down the street and it popping in your mind mm-hmm. is just – Being able to have conversations know? with your kids. Your kids or even being, friends or yeah, whoever. Friendly. Like you go to a coffee shop and you guys can talk about it. And just I mean it's in San Diego all the time. So yeah, I mean absolutely. even going down to the local coffee shop and being able to talk about it absolutely. without it being like – yeah. This weird, like dark this thing. weird, like taboo thing you can't talk about. Exactly, already makes it exactly. kind of the issue solved. Exactly. But I feel like that's a lot of these things live in the darkness. They 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 are able to exist because we're scared to look at them. Or we're scared to talk about them. Yeah. If it's okay for us to talk about them and it's okay for us to look at them, now all of a sudden there's not so much secrecy. There's not so much that people feel like they have to hide. Exactly. So that's the reason. Um, technology event. March 31st down in Point Loma, there'll be, there's, there's, you can buy tickets online. You can do all sorts of different stuff. It's only going to be like $10 a person. We're going to have kids in the room who have experienced social media, who are in the culture currently, which I think is super powerful. A couple of students that I work with, a couple parents, and then myself. And I put together mm-hmm. a bunch of research and a bunch of stuff that I've seen. And just and what was the, here, I need to write this down. Actually, yeah, cause what was the book you wrote? Cause I wanted to read it. Actually, <laughs> the book. I know that, I know that baby was going to give it to me eventually, but uh, I haven't gotten it down. The book that I wrote, well, it wasn't related. Might as well. I mean, I've been trying to read anyway. Yeah, so. yeah. It wasn't related to technology, but it's called strong. Prevention. Yeah. It's ACL, right? Yeah. It's, ACL prevention in uh, injury in that uh, youth athletes. It's, it's called what? Strong from the ground up. Strong from the ground up. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, matchbook. Yeah, and it's like that's like ten bucks on Amazon. But um, this technology event, Mar- March thirty first. If you if you have somebody who you're concerned about or uses technology at all, this stuff is shaping our lives. Yeah, I mean it's, everybody in my generation, at least. You it's know? it's some of the most powerful powerful technology we've ever handled as human beings. Yeah. And we're expecting. I mean, especially if you look at kids like 15 and younger now. Yeah. They don't know anything different, and we're expecting them to know like how and is there's this no guidance either. Like exactly. no parents know how to use it because exactly. they've never used it. This, so it's this, kinda just... this YouTuber, this Instagram influencer, these people that you're watching 
that person that you're interacting with through your DMs, like you just don't know. And the more knowledge and the more community we have around it, the more we can help. Perfect. Sweet. Damn, we hit an hour and four minutes. Never thought I could do it. (laughs) Well, it was great talking to you. Thank you for listening. I appreciate it. (laughs) All right. That's that's the end of the episode. Uh I'll probably release uh um I'll release this soon enough. Uh we'll get probably a couple episodes more. We'll see where it goes. Let me close this out real quick. The, to the, anybody who's listening to this, like this made me seem really lofty and like I, I have to be able to learn to accept that I'm doing cool things and doing good things for people, but there's nothing about me that makes me any different than anybody else. We all can do the things that we truly want to do. There has never been a time in history where we've had more potential to do the things that we feel like are impossible due to social media, due to technology and due to, to the way people are thinking. And if you're listening to this, you struggle with depression and you struggle with anxiety or you feel like you're just not enough. This is this is me personally saying that you have somebody out there that cares about you. My uh, personal Instagram is at mattburn underscore O-W-O. It's M-A-T-T-B-U-R-N underscore O-W-O. My profile is public. Hit me up. Give me a DM. Like if, if, you're, if there's something you want to do, like I love building things and I love supporting people. And I, I can't thank you enough for your time and for your attention. If you if you made it this far and you're listening to both, honestly, of yeah. <laughs> thank you, thank you, <laughs> thank you so much. Uh, be blessed. All right, goodbye, everyone. <laughs>